This is the absurd journey of three church planners reintroducing familiar ideas in unfamiliar ways. This is the Bless Up Podcast. All right, welcome back. This is the Bless Up Podcast. I'm Rachel in studio with Corey and James, but we have two very special guests who are jumping in with us today. We have Pastor Tara Beth Leach from the Good Shepherd Naperville, and we have Bethany Hammer, who is joining us. She is the Propel Ecclesia Coordinator. Ladies, can you say hi? Tell us your name so that our listeners can catch your voices. Yeah, hey, I'm Tara Beth Leach. And I'm Bethany Hammer. All right, so I am uh, I am especially excited to have the two of them with us today. Uh, I know I've never actually... You should see it. She's, yeah. she's freaking glowing. I'm very in excited. Yeah. She's glowing. In uh, I've never actually like shared with you guys what my job is. I just like ominously say my job. That's not really been on purpose. I don't really know why I do that. Um, but I am, I'm actually a short form writer for Equip and Empower, which is an umbrella organization that gets to work alongside Propel Women. And Propel Women exists to see every woman fulfill her passion, purpose, and potential. And these two ladies who are joining us, Tara Beth is the co-founder of Propel Ecclesia. And Bethany, uh, as we were saying before we hit record on this, Bethany is the one who makes it happen. Bethany is, she's the coordinator, which means she's the one who organizes all the details. These ladies do so much work empowering women all across the globe. It's actually so cool. These Propel Ecclesia cohorts are international. It's been such a beautiful thing to get to observe these come to fruition. But listen, we're not going to dive quite into that yet because this is a Bless Up podcast. And so uh, we have, as usual, our ridiculous question that we want to hear. <sighs> Did somebody did somebody submit this question? No. Oh my god. This was not a submitted question. No, this was This was not a submit. This was submitted by James Calvert. You guys guys have ruined a pair of shoes because if you haven't listened to that episode, I recommend. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh shoes in Jesus' name. No, this was not a listener submitted one. Jesus' name. Oat milk in my latte. (laughs) (laughs) James did get an oat milk latte. I'm sorry. That's the single James just dropped. Oat milk in my latte. (laughs) All right. If you haven't heard that episode, go back a few. Um, It's a good laugh. But so, ladies, we answer a question at the top of every episode, and uh, we're going to let you answer first, and then we will jump in. But our question that we want to know, because you are women who have been in ministry for such a long time, um, and I know on my end, we hear ridiculous things. So what is the most unintentionally offensive thing that someone has ever said to you? What's the most, what's the most unintentionally offensive thing someone has ever said to you in ministry? Yeah. So I'll hop in first. Uh, You know, so for me as a pastor who is up in front of people every single week, my appearance is often uh, way too much at the center of conversation Um, It's always all about my clothes or my hair. And the first church that I pastored in Pasadena, California, was definitely a little bit more conservative. And, you know, they for me to wear pants, for example, was progressive. Whoa. Whoa. Yes. apostolic. Yes, it was. (laughs) I was the progressive. I was the progressive lady pastor. And so. Double dose uh, of progress. 
Right. So I once got an email that was easily 2,000 words long <gasps> um, that was all about my hair. And he framed it as <laughs> I... My hair, and he framed it as, I want you to succeed, and it's really important that your hair is kept. Oh, and no. He, he, he even sent some of the preaching live streams to a coach uh, who helps people with looks, <gasps> and um, oh he compared gosh. it. He compared it to uh, Olympic gymnasts, oh. that when their hair is not kept, that they are deducted points. Oh, and my. I think to this day, like, I think he really thought he was helping. Oh, my but, gosh. No, he definitely thought he was helping. He definitely thought <laughs> yeah. he was helping. Wow. He said, uh -huh. he said as evidence, yeah. but check out these video clips. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, you know, and I, I don't want to like boast or anything, but I kind of think I have pretty great hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's definitely something to boast about. That's great. Yeah. I'm proud of my hair. Yeah. Me too. Oh my gosh. I don't know what. <laughs> I have no idea how I expected you to answer that question, Dang. but I know that that was not it. Dang. Oh, oh my god. I could write a book. I could write a book. I mean, how, how much time do we have? We keep going. I mean, we could just. <laughs> You're welcome to give another example. Oh my gosh. No, no, my no. Gosh. I, I'm dying to hear what Bethany's going to say. Oh, gosh. Okay. So for me, I worked at our church in uh, children's and family ministry for over 15 years. And there was a Sunday where I had the opportunity to preach. And we have, we're a multi-venue church, so we have our traditional service and we have our contemporary service. And I'm in the traditional service, and um, I, I preached for the day, felt good about it, exhausted, went home and took a nap. And the next day, I was meeting with the pastor, and he informed me that somebody from the service that was sitting in the traditional service came to him and said, I came to church to hear a pastor, not a Sunday school teacher. No. Wow. Yeah. So I well, would say that a, was That's just a theological problem. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I, I was like, I don't know if I'm more offended that he said that or that you repeated it to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a great question. Oh, yeah. Wow. Gosh. You know what? That was intentionally offensive. At least Sarah Best dude, like, genuinely thought he was being helpful. That was just purposely <laughs> hurtful. Just hurtful. Right. Oh wow. Gosh. Yeah, it took me a little bit to, you know, process through that one. Oh, man. Yikes. <sighs> that one hurt. What do you guys yeah. got? Because I know you've heard, I know you two have heard some ridiculous things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I could, I could probably, I could go on for a really long time. And uh, yeah, I could, I worked at a, worked at a very, uh, a very white, large suburban church. And me and Ruth were the only black people there. My sister. <laughs> we, were, we were the oh my only. Gosh, bro. We were the only black people there in the whole church. So oh hold on, y'all. Corey's sister is is in fact adopted. Just for those of you who don't know uh, that about his family. Go ahead, James. Keep going. Uh, yeah, we were the only. We were the only folks there, and uh, it was just tough. But this actually, this is the multi ethnic. This is being an estranged pioneer in the multi ethnic church. Yeah. 
So, so this it, didn't happen at the at, no, the at the white megachurch. No, this happened at Citizens with, oh. with a brother who was just this oh, brother no. was just visiting, and he he had come for a couple of weeks. And God bless, God bless this brother. Like I, oh no, he comes, that's he how comes my grandma from, starts stories when she's to about time. to bash somebody. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you know, bless their heart and everything. God, but. Bless, God bless his heart. <sighs> I had got done preaching, and my hair was different than the first week he had came. I got a retwist, so like I was braided up. You know, I was I was feeling it because it was I was braided like Iverson. I had a nice little fade on it. Your favorite, yeah. I, yeah, I was like, here we go. He came up to me afterwards and he was like, Pastor, that was a great word, and I really enjoy your haircut. Oh, that was nice. And I was yeah. like, Oh, my fade. He's like, No. And then he just like, No, he uh, just, no, he, he didn't. He like, he like, oh, reached, no. he like reached up and he's like, Your haircut. And I just oh, jumped no. back and I was like, Oh no. I jumped back and I was like, High five. No. I was like, I enjoy your haircut too. <laughs> Did you touch his hair? No, no, he was bald though. Oh, 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 oh my god! And that's like it's the the moments after preaching. That's when the devil gets you. You be weak. Yeah, you be, weak. You be empty. You're empty. That's what the scriptures, that's scriptures what, say Jesus felt the power leave him. That's and I, biblical. And I'm not Jesus. So like that's like <laughs> it's like after like and I was just like, yeah, you, oh, I like no. your haircut too. Blessings, bro. I just like give him oh. a little fist pound and kept it moving. Oh no. And I, t- and I told my wife and she's like, eventually we're just gonna have to leave here because you're gonna get fired. <laughs> you can't get fired. <laughs> wow. I was like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. Oh, that's tough. Yep. I just couldn't bad, do it bad. at that moment. I was like, "You see, my, you you see this hair? Then you tried to touch my hair, bro. Like, nah, man. Like, okay. Nah, bro. Yeah. What you got, Corey? I mean, I, yeah, you got those are such great uh, stories. I feel like it's mine is just more like rhythmic, you know? Like it just occasionally and by occasionally i mean every other week i think i just get side comments i think it's pretty consistent mm-hmm. uh i don't like mm-hmm. i don't know that i'm going to single out a a particular story other than i think the co- the most common reaction that i get is you know when people find out that i'm a pastor there's always this like pause which like you're always so scared of the pause because there's so many things that happen in your mind like oh man did I like did I just kill this conversation or or really more likely like is this person just about to like word vomit and tell me their entire story and I'm really just trying to watch this game, um, and but what I get most often is like oh like the like the lead pastor and I'm like yeah like <laughs> like the lead pastor and they're like oh. I thought you meant no. Don't finish. Don't finish because I know what you thought I meant. But this, I thought, I thought like youth pastor. Like, yeah, I know that's what you thought. Like, I know I have uh, not been blessed or anointed with the ability to grow facial hair. And <laughs> my hairline is still immaculate, and so it's that intact, that bro. fools people into thinking that I'm younger than I am. But no, it's not. I'm not the. I'm not the I'm not the youth pastor, bro. You know what, bro? I rebuke that. You don't wear no you don't wear no Jesus sandals or no Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> I'm saying, bro. I'm I saying rebuke that, bro. I don't make booger jokes, fart jokes, none of that stuff from the you don't pulpit. Drink happy shakes either. I don't drink that either. So yeah, it's just it, it's just it's just hurtful. I get I get that a lot. Or I think the one that actually does like really offend me is when they find out where I pastor specifically. They'll say things like, like, oh, does that make you nervous? Are you are you concerned? Are you worried? You're like, well, no, I'm not. Like, I'm at home. You know, 
So, yeah, I think I think you know it's God bless their hearts, God bless their souls. They're not they're not trying to be hurtful. They're just they're just really unaware of surroundings. Sometimes it's okay. Yeah, I unfortunately there's quite a few that stand out for me, but um, I think the the general sentiment. I'll give you a general sentiment. Uh, the general sentiment that I typically run into, it's almost always after I preach um, or sometimes like, you know, at events like Absurd, like the conference that we run um, all, there, it never fails that there is somebody who says something along the lines of, I've never heard a woman preach before, which that in itself is not, yeah, not, not offensive. offensive. Yeah, sure. If you put a period there and just stopped like yeah. that, that's not offensive. It's not about what you said. It's about how you said it, it. it. And it's about how you finish that sentence. If you, if the sentence keeps going. Um, but I will say like in the early years of third street, in the early years of ministry, um, whenever I would be asked to preach and that would happen, it actually used to really, really bother me. I got really tired of being everybody's first woman preacher. That started to really, that started to really hurt. You know, I know, I know you felt that. And, and honestly, now, now I've come to the, I've come to the decision that I'm willing to be the first woman preacher that someone is exposed to, because that's paving a way for more women to come mm-hmm. after me. Because, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, Terabeth, I, I know, uh, I know you have a long history with pastoring in the church mm-hmm. and Bethany, you have, you have so many years of experience. And so I know, um, James, you had some really good questions that we discussed before, uh, before we hit the hit record. And I would love to just yield as much time as we can to them, uh, for you to pose those questions. Absolutely. I'm really excited to listen and learn in this space today. And the first question just to give a little context. Yeah. Uh, I'm a pastor in the local church and I love pastoring in the local church. Yep. Uh, yeah, we share a form of shared leadership. So we drank Alan Hirsch's Kool-Aid after he drank Paul's Kool-Aid. So we, we all down with the apex. We all down with the apex. Yeah. And it's great. It's great Kool-Aid. It's the shout good out, kind. Shout out to the big homie. Shout out to the forgotten ways, the big homie. The big homie. So we try to really lead in that way. But an issue we run into with that is our leadership teams as we try to develop uh, yeah, APES leadership. It gets difficult. What's APES for our people who don't know that? Yeah, for our folks who, who are not hip, in Ephesians 4, we have Paul uh, calling the church to mature in the faith and not be thrown back and forth by different winds of false doctrine. And he says something that will help us do that is gifts that God gives to the church. And APES is simply the shorthand for the apostle and the prophet and the shepherd and the evangelist and the teacher. So these are different gifts that God gives the church to keep it in line and in order and what he's doing. But, uh, yeah, it becomes difficult because we want women to be a part of our teams. But in our context, we have a mostly millennial church. We have Gen Z coming strong. We're right by a university. (laughs) But we do have older saints as well. And with millennials and Gen Z, what we find quite often is when we call women and we say, hey, like, we need you to help in this way. We need you to preach. We need you to lead in this way. Yep. They're more, they're like, yeah, they're assuming that 
because of culturally where we're at, praise God. But on the other hand, we have older women who may have been from oppressive church cultures who are still trying to struggle through church hurt. Mm-hmm. And when we call them the leadership, uh, it's oftentimes met with resistance or no. So I just wanted to hear from both of you guys, uh, what does it look like to call and to just encourage and try to embolden women to lead across generations? Yeah, you know, I remember talking with a, a pastor not too long ago, and I was I was sharing how, you know, the, the challenge of women pastoring sometimes in, in some of these larger churches, and, and I mean like women at the helm, right, because it's it's really controversial and we're just not seeing it often. And I, I said something to him. I said, I, I have just am so doubtful that it's even possible for a woman to be the lead at a larger evangelical church. Mm-hmm. And I think probably like the best model is for it to be co-pastoring with women and men uh, mm-hmm. until, until the church is ready. And he, he looked at me, it's actually, it was actually carrying you off. Uh, he looked at me and he said, okay, but Gen Z is going to look at you like you have two heads if you if you were to say something like that. Yeah, and he I mean he was spot on because so everywhere I go um, when I'm rubbing shoulders with Gen Z, it is just I see a generation that is totally alive and walking in their calling. Um, there is this incredible groundswell of women, but at the same time, you know I. I I, I do pastor in churches where there are a lot of boomers. And so my experience as a female pastor, when I step into these contexts where they are not used to seeing women at the home, I see the older generation come alive in ways that they had never experienced before. And it's surprising to them because no one ever had told them. Or, you know, they'd never had an example. They'd never seen it before. And so I do believe that all generations of women are desperate and hungry to live into their gifts. There's a couple things that they need. You know, they need for their imaginations to be nourished, right? Like you can't, it's, it's really difficult to imagine yourself living into those gifts if you're not seeing it. Mm-hmm. And then you need people to come alongside of you and embolden you and, Rather than just asking, you know, someone to do something, call out their gifts, call out, you know, those gifts that you see in them. You know, there's something I see in you, and you know, oftentimes pastors are really, really good at calling out gifts of people um, that are like them, right? Like we naturally mm-hmm. want to mentor, mentor the future us. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I just think in general, we're like, man, you remind me of me. Like I want to mentor you, and so what's happening then is, you know majority of churches in America are pastored by men and they're going to reach out to men to mentor. Mm -hmm. And so I think that women are hungry to step into their gifts of all generations. They've just never had anyone called out or mentor them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, I would agree with that. One of the things that I think about too, though, is so much in ministry, our role is to equip the saints not to be the ones that are necessarily always doing the serving. And uh, in that, 
there comes an invitation. And so it's not about asking somebody to do something. It's inviting them to use the gifts that God has given them. Hmm. It's an invitation. And so I would always tell um, our staff that, that I was working with, again, recruiting children's ministry leaders to invest in the, in the kids. Who are you going to invite to use their gifts? And I will tell you, we had one um, one woman who was in her 60s, and the way that she led her small group of children, she was there every week, she would make cards for all the kids and snail mail them to them throughout uh-huh. the <laughs> I love that. ministries. And kids love getting mail because mm-hmm. they're not getting bills like us parents. <laughs> don't, we don't really Man. like that. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but I would get more feedback on their small group than any than her and her small group than any other small group in children's ministries. So there is room, there is space, but there needs to be an invitation because, like, like you were saying. Terabeth and James, both of you, like they grew up in an era where that wasn't necessarily something that women did. Yeah. So they need the invitation. Absolutely. Thank you guys. And I'm going to keep firing off. Yeah, if go you ahead. Guys don't ask what I, I have about a thousand questions Listen, for you guys. Take it. Have Pop it. Off, bro. Um, so as we, in our congregation, in our community, and I know it's very similar with third street, So, like, just the age of the majority of our church Mm -hmm. uh, and ask to be in leadership to many of the women in our church feels like to them in many senses from what they're saying back to me. They struggle because they're like, yeah, we call the citizen starter pack uh, three kids in a diaper bag. (laughs) So when people walk in, (laughs) it's like they're walking in with all these kids. And, like, as I get to know folks that are, in our small group that we call a village, I'm like, man, I'm like, you're dope. Like, they're sharing. I'm like, this is so dope. I'm like, I want you to share this with everybody. Yeah. And their response most times is like, hey, thanks for saying that, but, like, uh, there's never a time during the day when I don't have, like, kids tapping the side of my leg. Yeah. So, like, I can't help. What are ways that you guys encourage mothers particularly to exercise the giftings they have in the church? Oh, that's a big question. Because I agree with you. It is the, the space of, I can barely breathe right now with with my diaper bag and three kids. <laughs> um, so I, I go back to the invitation. Um, you know, I... I started getting involved in our church after college. Before that, I would come into church, I would sit in church, and I would leave at the end of service and go about my day. I didn't know anybody. I had no relationships with anybody. And when um, when I graduated college, my sister's actually 12 years younger than I am. She um, was in sixth grade. And so I started getting involved in the ministries that she was in and also in a young adult ministry myself. And all of a sudden I was at church after church for a half hour talking with people. And uh, we then would go out for lunch afterwards. And so I feel like God blessed me so much more than 
I could have ever imagined mm-hmm. uh, with friendships and that were became like family to us. And so I think we have to um, get rid of that. Again, I'm asking you to do something for me. No, you're giving somebody an opportunity, even in the midst of busyness, to build a community while serving God. And that is such a gift that we can give to people, um, is that invitation for God to just do amazing things. It doesn't have to be, and, and this is what I would always tell people too, it doesn't have to be 10 hours a week. Yeah. Like what What is something, that, what is a gifting that God has given you that you can use for his glory? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll add, you know, this was a lesson that I had to learn as a woman in ministry. I remember reading Nancy Beach's book called Gifted to Lead, and she has a chapter in there talking about ministry and littles. And she said something in there that was so crazily freeing to me. I remember just weeping. Uh, She said, ministry doesn't have to stop. It just looks different. And the seasons of of littles uh, is, I mean, it changes by the minute. You know, when you're in diapers, you think you're, you feel like you're going to be in diapers forever, like with kids, you know, then and also they're out of diapers and you're onto new challenges. And so ministry is just a constant pivot. And for me, as a mom in ministry, I always felt really compelled to model the messiness. Hmm. And so I, you know, I wore my babies. Um, I, I preached um, to students with, with a child in, you know, um, you know, why I wore them, you know, against my chest. Um, you know, when I was in student ministry, I, you know, my babies were passed around. And so part of it, like, the, I think the greatest encouragement for parents with kids is to trust the family of God. When when Jesus was lost from his parents, mm-hmm. um, his parents did not even know he was missing for two days. <laughs> like, they had no idea. Like, what it's a very liberating like, story as a parent. Like, yeah. oh, thank God. Yes, even, like, even Mary lost God. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> like... And they're like two days. They're like, "Oh, has anybody seen Jesus?" Like, I, I want like mothers to trust the church in that kind of way, right? Mm-hmm. That that there are people that want to walk alongside of you with your little, so that you can live into your calling. And you know, Bethany, Bethany and I have been in ministry together for sixteen years, mm-hmm. and we had babies at the same time, like babies together, and she and I walked in that messiness. And one of the gifts that we had together was we had women, you know, a generation older than us, a generation or two older than us that, that taught that to us, that, that taught us to like step into the messiness. And like, you know, we would do ministry events and that woman, her name's Janice Rubin. uh, She would say, just bring the kids. Just we'll figure it out. Like I'll, I'll take, you know, I'll take the baby while, while you do this and we'll just, figured out. And so I, I guess a really long winded way of saying two things, embrace the messiness. It doesn't always have to be polished. And number two, trust the family of God. Yeah. And I would even add to that, Tara, about kind of going to what I was saying before, how God just blesses you so much more than you're really even blessing him is our kids. We're giving them a front row seat 
to what it looks like to serve God and what yes. it looks like to yes. be a part of the church and to mm-hmm. be in family. And, okay. and and even just yesterday, uh, Janice Herman came over and grabbed my 11-year-old and took her out for the day. And uh, I just love that my kids know that she is for them. She loves them. And a lot of that was because we did ministry together and we're serving, and my kids were right there alongside me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so that's so good. I, uh, <clears throat> you know, so, so for me, for for me, I kind of, um, <clears throat> I, I would say that I claim three faith traditions. Oh boy, uh, I have I have my childhood as a Southern Baptist. I have my preteen and into early teen years as a as a non denominational Christian. Um, and then I have my, I have my, uh, my era of the unchurched, dechurched, secular, secular world, which I think is a faith tradition in and of itself. But that's a, that's another podcast for another day. Um, and in each, I would say the one, the first, uh, my experience was, uh, I, well, I was unaware of this being the case, obviously, but in the first tradition, there's not an affirmation of women in leadership. Um, in the second tradition, there is like a soft affirmation. There's like a, there's like a, we're cool with it, but, but we don't talk, but about you're probably it. not going to see it. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. and then in the secular world, there is, uh, uh, there, at least in the era where I was kind of in it. And even still to this day, there, there's a push, there's a push for it. There is. Um, you know, mm-hmm. feminist movements and, and, empo- and women in power movement that uh, is just it's just commonplace in uh, in the secular world. And so it really wasn't until I got to college, uh, specifically uh, post like Jesus meeting Jesus and then getting into theology classes where professors would really challenge us to grapple with these issues, um, where I realized that like the affirmation of women within Christ's body of the church was even an issue. Um, but what hit me the most about it was actually like, to me, it feels like a really elementary, like theological point, which is that if we are to believe that all people are image bearers, uh, all people, man and woman, both bear the image of God, the Imago Dei, uh, then by not experiencing women in roles of leadership within the church, most especially like pastoral leadership positions, we are cutting out and missing 50% of God's intended picture. And now for you guys, I know both of you are in positions where the empowerment of women in leadership is something that you not only uh, advocate for, but it's something that you embody well. So for Perhaps those of us who come from uh, a privileged world of not ever having considered missing that part of God's intended picture. Can you speak to what the church of Jesus Christ and let's be real specific to like the church in America is missing out on by not having paid attention to the affirmation and the empowerment of women in leadership? Mm. Oh, my goodness. There's so much. I think that when, I, I, I think, let's, let's answer it this way. What happens when women are preaching? What happens when women are leading? Uh, when women preach, when women teach, when women lead, we are giving the people of God in Christ, the church, 
a vision of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We are giving them a vision of the gospel, uh, of the fullness of the gospel being expressed of women and men, Jew, Greek, Gentile, uh, free, and all are welcome at this table of, of, of togetherness and cohesion and mutuality. Uh, not only that, but we are giving them an eschatological vision, meaning we're giving them a picture of the future, of the future, that someday there will be a world where there is no hierarchy, uh, that someday there will be a world where women and men are arm in arm and hand in hand. And so when women teach, preach, and lead, we are giving them a vision of the future. In addition, when women teach, preach, and lead, we are giving them a vision of the fullness of the spirit of Pentecost, impelling and propelling and emboldening women to do the things that Peter said we would be doing. And young women, young women's imaginations are shaped and formed, and all of a sudden, as they are sitting there and they are watching women preach, teach, or lead, they begin to think, maybe I could do that. And God, and the church is the church and the mission that we are invited into is fuller and stronger and is brighter because half of the church is not being held back. And instead we are stronger as we are running towards the future together. So when Tara Beth gets on her prophetic amazing verbiage, I like to just say ditto. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to say ditto. Um, but I'm also going to just share this story, too. When I was preaching in our uh, worship center space, I had a parent come up to me afterwards, and she said, my teenage daughter did not hear one single thing you said, but she felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit say, you can do that. I've called you to that. Come on. Amen. And, Come on. Yeah. Yeah. So it goes back to that, you know, what, I mean, I grew up in, in a church setting where I never saw women pastoring, preaching, teaching, leading. And so part of my first experience was actually seeing Tara Beth do it 16 hmm. years ago. Oh, wow. Um, and I thought it was so, I was uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable because I didn't grow up with it. So normalizing it, I think my path would have looked so much different earlier on had I known that pastoring was an option for me. Hmm. Yeah, that everything that you guys just said, like, yes, yes, a thousand times over. Um, I just as a little side note, um, Tara Beth, if uh, if the Bible app ever asks you to record yourself reading the Bible, please do that. Um, I was just, <laughs> as you were talking, I was like, is there a Tara Beth option for when this reads to me? For sure. Yeah. Um, I would put that setting up. You and Morgan Freeman, you are like the two requests that I have for reading the Bible app. <laughs> um, now, now something that I, uh, I have the distinct privilege of doing is actually seeing the fruits of the two of you leading together. I have, um, I have so enjoyed watching propel ecclesia go from uh inception to vision and action and sitting um just like taking in the webinars and the equipping resources and the things that you ladies do together first of all 
if no one has said this to you today uh, or at all, I hope that you know the good godly work that you are doing and the way Mm -hmm. it is impacting the future of so many women. I am Mm -hmm. so thankful that my daughters are growing up in a world where something like Propel Ecclesia exists, because even if Ecclesia happens, if it were, if it's not running 20 years from now, when my kids are going in it, it's because so many women have been impacted that so many women are leading that my daughters are benefiting from the leadership of the women that you are raising up. And so just thank you for what you are doing. Now, that being said, why don't you tell our listeners, tell our people, um, what is Propel Ecclesia? How, what does this look like? Why, why does it exist and how do you do it? Yeah, so, um, you know, many women in ministry struggle to find support, to become an effective leader that they're called to be, um, struggle to find community. And so really that's what Propel Ecclesia is. Propel Ecclesia equips and empowers women with coaching and community that they need to fulfill their God-given leadership potential. And that is for any woman in ministry. That can look like a lead pastor. That could look like a family pastor. That could look like a key-level volunteer or a volunteer in any ministry capacity. It can look like somebody who is... um, a mom leading a Bible study out of her home. It could be parachurch ministry. I mean, the the, the possibilities are endless. Uh, biblical counseling, authors. I mean, we have just so many variety of women, um, young and older. You know, you talk about across generations. Um, it's it's just a beautiful picture. And this all started because. Christine Kane and Tara Beth had been talking for like four plus years about how every where they would go, they would just have women come up to them and say, please, I need mentorship. I need coaching. Will you do that for me? Um, so through that, God created this amazing opportunity for us to say, let's come alongside women and let's make this normal for women to be leading in ministry. Yeah, you know, I I started my journey in ministry years ago. I was one of the only ones doing it at the time Mm -hmm. uh, that I knew of, like in my circles. I mean, like not in the world, (laughs) you know. uh, uh, (laughs) Maybe maybe in the world. (laughs) The Bible. Yeah, everyone's like, like, wow, that was just a really like tall claim. (laughs) What I mean is like um, in my ministry circles, right? Like everywhere I went, it was men. And I knew of very few women um, out there who could mentor me. All my mentors were, were men. And all my ministry colleagues were men. Now, as years went on, that began to change. But I was still always longing for the type of, of community that my male colleagues had. Right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think maybe an uncharitable way to refer to it would be in some spaces, the good old boys club, yeah. but it may be more chair, you know, but maybe a more charitable way is like, there's just, you know, honest, like beautiful connection. And I often felt left out of that. And so we created Propel Ecclesia because we wanted to create spaces for women to find their people. Uh, not only that, to, but to, to find their people and to be empowered 
um, with the tools and the revelations that they need to live out their God-given gifts to the fullest. And we've just been shocked. I mean, everything we ever dreamed for Pelicosia would be, it has been. I mean, we're hearing things like, this is life-changing. Women have made really, really big decisions to pursue callings after that, um, to take on new roles, um, new discoveries, like first sermons. And, and, but even more so, they're finding lifelong friends Mm. and they realize they're not alone. Such an important, such an important piece to the body of Christ and mm-hmm. something that should have been happening a whole long time ago. So thank you guys mm-hmm. for your pioneering spirit and mm-hmm. yeah, stepping out and doing this because I know my ministry journey is intertwined with Corey and Rachel mm-hmm. and just to be around Rachel and to watch what's happened that's formed me in ways and enabled me in ways to lead women, but to be led by women. And that's, yep. Yeah. I think that's incredibly important. So thank you guys for the work and yeah. Praying that in the next generation. Yeah. There doesn't have to be cohorts because there's, (laughs) because (laughs) it's normative. So thank you guys so much. Uh, ladies, real quick here before we uh, before we close out, I want you to do uh, two things for us. Um, first, give us a snapshot of what these cohorts look like. What does it look like if somebody applies and gets into a Propel Ecclesia cohort? Give us that snapshot, and then uh, tell us how how do women apply? So, if we got friends or we got staffers. Um, or we have great volunteers that we think like, man, they should really be in Ecclesia or somebody's listening right now. And they're like, man, I want to be a part of that. How do they do it? So give us a snapshot of what a cohort looks like and tell us how we get there. Yeah. So cohorts, it's a, it's a five month program and each cohort has around nine to 12 women uh, with a coach that has over 15 years of experience in ministry. Um, that that looks like a opportunity for women to build community through a 24-7 online platform, a private platform just to the women in the cohort. We bring in speakers for monthly uh, live webinars, Christine Kane, Tara Beth Leach, uh, Derwin Gray, Eugene Cho, and we, Rich Velotis. There's so many amazing speakers. Uh, the one thing that I think that we offer that is such a valuable piece is this is beyond a two-day conference, right? You go to a conference, you hear somebody speak, um, but not everybody is hearing the same thing from your church necessarily or people that you're in conversation with. And what Propel Ecclesia offers is you're with these women for five months, all hearing the same thing, mm-hmm. having conversation that's surrounded around things that you're, you're reading, you're uh, wrestling with, and you're there to be an encouragement and a support for one another. We have mm-hmm. applied learning exercises, and we have required readings. We have monthly coaching calls. We have one-on-one uh, coaching calls with cohort uh, coaches. So there are just so many possibilities here uh, for women to get connected. I will say that I was actually in a cohort about 12 years ago, and these are women that to this day, I'm on Marco Polo with two or three times <laughs> a week. 
having conversations because they can just, I can speak openly and honestly with them because they don't, they're not in my congregation and they have an opportunity to speak into me truthfully because they know me uh, Mm -hmm. and they've been on this journey with me. So we want to actually offer to your listeners an opportunity to apply for free uh, using the code free apply. So if you go to Propel Women dot org slash ecclesia and I'll, I'll spell that because not many people know how to do that it's <laughs> e-c-c-l-e-s-i-a and there's opportunity to, to see some testimonies on there to uh, check out more about the program and also to apply and i'm going to put a shout out to tara beth's book uh emboldened there's an opportunity to download a chapter in her book Um, That's all around imposter syndrome, because as Mm -hmm. women, that is one thing that we struggle with a lot. And we have heard women say, I almost didn't apply because I didn't feel like I was worthy enough. I felt like an imposter. So let me just say right now, that is the enemy. And and God is saying Mm -hmm. to you, you are worthy. So amen. Amen. You know, whenever um, Bethany gets on her prophetic, beautiful um, <laughs> moments, I just say, ditto. Bless her. Nice ditto. one. Nice one. <laughs> <laughs> ditto. Oh, well, listen, first off, thanks for that code. I didn't know you were going to do that. Um, yeah. But also, uh, if you are listening and you have a woman in your life that you think should be in these cohorts, we are going to link in the uh, both the caption on socials and in the description on this episode, we will put the link that Bethany just gave you as well as the uh, the free application code in our copy there. So just hit the description, um, just hit like expand or read more, depending on where you uh, take in your podcast. Or if you're on socials, just go to the Bless Up Instagram page and we'll put it in the caption right there as well. Ladies, thank you so much for being with us today. Mm, thank, thank you, you for having us. You. Yeah, thank you. I have loved this discussion. Um, James, you look like you were about to say something. Nah, I mean, I wish I could be in a cohort, but I cannot. It does defeat the purpose. I have about 97 more questions, but I can, I can send <laughs> uh, some of the wonderful women in our church to the cohort and just arm them with questions. So <laughs> there you go, go ask these questions. There you go. Uh, Ladies, thank you for being with us. Uh, I have loved this discussion. And for all of our our Bless Up people, we'll be back in two weeks. Bless Bless up. up.